Good morning. So good to be with y'all. Thank you. Um, you know, what worship is, if you don't know, some of you may not know, some of you think it's singing songs. It's actually the Spirit of God ministering to our hearts and minds as we sing and worship together, um, which is beautiful and powerful. Um, I talk a lot about um, the one of the very few things that our church has agreed upon is that we would come around the Carolina Panthers. Um, and so we talk about that with our partners. So um, it's a big week for, for God's team, the Carolina Panthers, and uh, just pray for wisdom and clarity as they pick whoever's going to be the face of the franchise for the next decade. And I was reminded, and, and rightfully so, we should also be a praying church for our only local professional team, the Carolina Hurricanes. Right, so one o'clock puck drop today, so we will uh, pray them up as well. Um, I, I, I've I've been so encouraged since last Sunday, the first time I've ever preached a series on anxiety, and the response between services, after services, through text and email, um, we've clearly uh, hit on something that we needed to hit on. It's very front and center in people's lives, and many of those comments have started with some version of thanking me. Um, and I, I want to, I appreciate that, but um, honestly, what option do I have? I'm in the, I feel like the battle of my life against this anxiety that I shared last week. And to, to come up here and, and preach on whatever and act like everything's fine, like I'm a tone setter as a leader. We believe a lot in culture, myself and our staff. So for me to fake it would to then create a culture of a church where you kind of hide and try to put out your best version of yourself, and that's not us. That's not what God's called us to do. Um, and even better than that, God is helping, his word is helping me walk through this. So I'm excited to share the ways that God is helping um, me. And I'm, I'm fine. Some of y'all worried about me. That's not helpful. Don't worry about me. Um, I'm good. As long, as long, like week to week, as long as um, nothing surprising happens to me medically, relationally, none of my kids do anything weird, financially, like as long as, long as everything is normal, I'm great, right? <laughs> Which means I'm not great because that uh, week doesn't happen. So here's where I've been this weekend, just being real with you. It's been a struggle. Um, uh, some of you know uh, the Milligan family, part of our church, their daughter Kennedy is on a, my basketball team that I coach and her and my daughter play on the same travel team. So uh, Chuck took my daughter Mia and his daughter Kennedy to Cincinnati to play in a tournament this weekend. So I'm watching the game on a Facebook live stream Friday, um, and, and Kennedy goes down and gets hurt. And you can tell by the reaction. It's one of those injuries where the other players on the court like hide their eyes. It was gruesome. She dislocated her ankle, and it was like hanging, uh, which I just broke my heart because I love Kennedy. I love that family, and just like, you know, to see... And to be so eight hours away and not be able, you know, it's a helpless feeling. But then there's how kind of my anxiety works. I started, you know, several more games in the tournament. I think, well, what if something happens to Mia? Like, I'm not there. Like, if she were to be in that kind of pain or trauma or need to go to the emergency room and I'm eight hours away, like, and then, you know, I just start playing that out and thinking worst case scenario and it's not helpful or good and, and they're fine and they're on their way back. But it, but it started to... I felt it, you know, when, if you, you can feel it kind of building in you and you try to, like, what do I do, what do I do? Right? And I just felt it and I got into a place of, of, of anxiety was wrecking me. 
Now, we have a verse of the day. If you'd have just called me and said, hey, and you just quoted this to me, it's on the screen, Philippians 4, 6, and just said, hey, don't be anxious about anything, Jones. In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. If you'd have just sent me that and that's it, I would have put that in the bucket that I call not helpful, all right? All right, so sometimes we can abuse scripture, like you gotta go deeper into it, but if you just say, hey, it, some of you, it depends on who, who you know God to be. Some of you, you can hear God's voice and just like, hey, stop, don't be anxious. And if you struggle with anxiety, you know how not helpful that is. Don't, in every situation, just pray. David, just pray, don't be anxious, it'll be fine, she'll be fine, just pray. Um, and there's a lot of beauty in that, and we're gonna unpack what that really means today, but that in itself is not always helpful. Um, Bonnie mentioned earlier, this is a series for people that are walking with people, not just the people that are struggling with anxiety, depression, and other things. And I think uh, one thing that I'll, that I'll say to help some of you that are walking with people that are, that are struggling is um, less fix, more with, right? So less fix, more with. If you need like a cute way to remember that, we can make it rhyme. Less fix, more in the mix, meaning let your words and your approach be less I'm going to fix your problem. Hey, if you'll just, if you just, just don't be anxious. Don't worry about anything. God's got it, right? Less, less trying to fix people. And sometimes men, we can be pretty bad about this. And more making sure, doing whatever you need to do and say to my wife's really good at this, to make sure the, the person struggling knows they're not alone. I'm with you and I'm in this with you. You're not by yourself. And God is with you. As we just sang, the Psalms were so perfect for today because he made us. And a part of last week was just giving you some hope. He is not helpless. He made us in our chemicals and our brains. And our, or he is not helpless to walk through a, uh, whatever we're going through with us. So we're going to see that today in this verse that at first sight, when I'm in the middle of my, my own thoughts, that's not super helpful. But if you back up a few verses, the beginning of this chapter, Paul's talking to a church in a city called Philippi. Um, and he's just t- telling them to stand firm. There's a bunch of good stuff. And then verse two, he says, I plead with Eudia and I plead with Sentishi to be of the same mind in the Lord. There's some conflict. These are two women in the church of Philippi. We don't know what they're uh, mad about with each other. I have, a, I have a guess. There's no details. My guess is they're arguing about who has the worst name, right? Eudia, <laughs> or I don't know how if I'm saying those anywhere close to right. So he's pleading with them because if you've been in a church, you know when there's conflict among leaders or among people, it, it, it affects everybody. So he's begging with them, just get on the same page with Jesus. That's the context. Then we get to a verse that maybe you've heard a few verses later. Verse four says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm gonna say it again, rejoice, right? And that word always makes that verse so challenging, right? Rejoice in the Lord. And that's the, that's the key. It's in the Lord. We're not about the Lord or believing it's in, it's connection in the Lord. And, and he repeats himself. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. And see, joy is something we have to choose. Otherwise, he wouldn't command it, right? He's telling us we have to choose to rejoice in the Lord, and that solves a lot of other things. Over and over and over and over again in Scripture, throughout Scripture, it teaches these things, joy and peace that we sing about, they're not circumstantial. If they were circumstantial, then you couldn't, you couldn't say always. They're not based on circumstance, right? Because when, when it's easy for me to get into a place of like, oh, I'll have joy 
When I feel better, oh, I'm going to be full of joy. I'm gonna, the joy is going to be oozing out of me, man. When I get the promotion, when I get out of this situation, when I get with the right person, when I get whatever, whatever, when I dot, 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 then joy is going to be oozing out of me. But that's not what scripture teaches. It says that there's joy that's available that is not based on how things are going or not better or, or not going. This, this, is, this is one of our key phrases we talk about a lot. We're a church that believes in relationship over religion. It's better, Right? Um, religion is transactional and I got to do this to get joy. You don't, it's, joy is available. It's not, it's not through something, it's through someone. This someone never leaves you and that someone is Jesus. So joy is, joy is there and it's available for you. And we may disagree on the answer to this question, but what do you think is more powerful? A, somebody's in the middle of a storm, whatever that storm is, and God just pulls them out of the storm. Wow, he just took that away. He just healed, he just whatever. A, God just pulls them out of the storm. Or B, God meets them and gives them joy in the middle of the storm. What do you think, A or B? What's more powerful? It depends. Our non-committal, that's fair, that's fair. You know what our world desperately is hungry for? B, they, they need to see right? This A is awesome. And there's a guy, he's able, he's powerful, right? He chooses to do A sometimes and I'm not mad about it. I love that, right? But I think it, it says more to the hurting world around us when they see us right in the middle of the storm, not faking joy, but actually having real joy, rejoicing in the Lord always, no matter what is going on. The world is so hungry for that. They see that and they're like, that doesn't make sense. How can you have joy in what you're walking through? And the answer is because Jesus is real, yes. right? So, so and, and I'm not against praying, God, just, could you just end this? I've prayed that, but I am finding that there's more power in the reality that I can have joy in the middle of it. It's in the Lord. Rejoice, not in your circumstance. You're not supposed to be, woohoo, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm dealing, I'm, it's not celebrating anxiety or, or mental health or hard things. It's, you're not rejoicing in the circumstance. You're rejoicing in the Lord in the midst of the circumstance. There's power in that, church. I'm telling you. The next verse, he kind of builds here. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. So there's conflict. If you're dealing with conflict, the way of Jesus, because it's rejoice in the Lord. Here's how you know if somebody's a Jesus person. When they have conflict, when they disagree, they're in an argument like these two ladies, um, they're marked by gentleness, right? That's the way of Jesus. It's marked by gentleness. And then it's these beautiful four words that I'm so thankful for. Spirit through Paul says, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Do you believe that? Do you trust that? Right? Even when it's hard, like that is... That is so true. He is near. And as um, Bonnie mentioned um, earlier, the isolation, there's, I talk about depression and anxiety. Those are not the same things. They're not the same, but they're related. They have a lot in common. So one of the things that both depression and anxiety have in common is there's a commonality of feeling like you're the only one or feeling like you're separated from reality and other humans. There's an isolation and a loneliness I'm all by myself that comes with both of those struggles. And here's this beautiful four words in Philippians 4, 5, the Lord is near. And I get it because sometimes you like, but I don't feel. If the Lord is near, can he tap me on the shoulder so I know he's near? Because I don't feel like the Lord is near. And, and there's several things that this verse could mean. Some people think it's talking about the Lord coming back. 
but we know that the Lord is in proximity, that he's, he is near you. The, the script, Psalm 34 says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. If you're struggling, he promises to be close. He is near even when you don't feel it. I want to I show you a video. This video was uh, encouraging to me. It's a, it's a huge church out in Colorado. The pastor's name is Jim Bergen, and this is an Easter from a few uh, years ago. And uh, he interviews his wife as part of this message he's preaching about being in the middle of a storm and Peter on the boat. So this is Jim Bergen, a pastor, and his wife, Robin. Check it out. Yes, it does. Um, I, I feel like... I wonder where Jesus really is. If he's in the boat with me, I, I don't feel him there. Um, what, is the, what is the storm that's raging for you? Depression, migraines, um, feeling abandoned. Okay. Um, what do you say to God in the middle of stuff like that? What do you ask for? Well, I, I get really angry and I feel like I really know what's best for myself. Yeah. And I feel like I'm in a wrestling match with God. Okay. Like I'm trying, to ask him for things. He's doing something totally different. Um, I think maybe if I was actually with Jesus, I would shake him or hit him or... <laughs> Wait, tell me, it's Easter. He just said that you would <laughs> shake it and hit Jesus. We should probably edit that, but okay. go ahead. No. All right, no, no it's I good. won't say it. Um, what, but what are you asking him? What do you want him to do? I want him to be there I, and I want to be able to feel that he's there. Uh What I know and what I believe is totally different from what I feel. Okay. And um, I have to remember the things that I believe or I, or I feel like he isn't there. All right. So, so how do, how do you deal with it? Well, the storm keeps on coming. You've, you've believed in Jesus since you were a little kid. You've asked him to take it away. And the answer is so far is what? No or not now. This is not a very satisfying answer. Right, right. All right. So I think there's a lot of people like listening to us right now going, I feel like that. I feel like that, you know? And so when you're in a storm, you have a belief system and a feeling system, and they, they're really hard to make them both make sense. How do you keep going? Hope. I have hope, and, and that's been promised to, to, to us, that we have hope in, in Jesus. And... Um, even when I don't feel him there, I cling to that hope. About 13 years ago, you, you shared this story with our church for the first time, because a lot of churches, it doesn't have a bow on the end of it, right? right. It's not like I prayed a prayer and the storm went away and my depression went away. I don't have migraines anyway, anymore. I mean, right. you've, you've been really, you've had a migraine, cluster migraine, like for the last week. Right. All right. So there's somebody out there right now that's listening to us and they're like, I don't have migraines. I got fired. I, I don't have migraines. I, I, I don't know where my income's going to be. I don't have migraines, but somebody I really care about has got, you know, coronavirus, and I don't know what the future is, all right? What am I supposed to do? I've been praying and asking, and the storm won't go away. seems like it's getting worse. So what, what, what do you hold on to? Like, what, where does that leave you day to day to day to day? Like, what, what is that? What, what does it look like for you? Well, some days I'm good and some days I'm bad. And I've prayed for healing and it hasn't come yet. Um, 
in 2 Corinthians, I think it's 12, 2 Corinthians 12, it tells us that his grace is sufficient for me, and when I'm weak, he's strong. And that's what I cling to. That made all the difference in the world to me in dealing with depression and migraines, um, knowing that he was strong, that I didn't have to be, that he was. So whether you feel it or not, where, where's Jesus when you're sitting in a boat in a storm? Whether you feel it or not. He's there. Yeah. He's, my eyes might not be on him, but he's there. Yeah. Hey, thanks for doing this. I know you love public speaking a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks. I think that your story is going to connect with a lot of other people's stories too. So thanks. Right, so now we can go back to 4.6. The last thing he said before that is, be joyful, always, again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident. The Lord is near. If the Lord is near, now it's not God wagging his hand. Don't be anxious. It's because the Lord is near, you don't have to be anxious about anything. But in every, there's that word, always, every, in every situation, by prayer and petition, we can, with thanksgiving, we present our requests to God. Every situation, that, that makes this, because there's so many situations, right? Let me tell you about a, a situation um, in our church concer- concerning uh, Takesha Dockery Ragland. Don't get worried. She said, it's not even a situation. Don't call it a situation. Right? It's going to make it, it, all right? But uh, Takesha is our director of children's ministry and is amazing. And um, she um, uh, has made the decision to step away from our staff um, and this was something that we started talking and praying through probably five, six months ago. And um, here, here's the, the story. The story is uh, she just felt it was a time in her life professionally to explore some other opportunities and some things that she needed to, uh, some changes she needed to make. So we've been praying through that with her um, and has decided that she'll be with us on staff toward, uh, until the end of May. So as, as, the, as the leader here, like when, when we, uh, I, don't, I don't like to even think about losing staff. Our staff is so amazing. We've lost one staff member in the history of our nine years, and that was Vasti Rodriguez, and that's because she married a pastor, some other church, <laughs> right? Um, and and Takesha is so good at what she does if, and, and has been such a blessing to our church and to our staff, and it's just like, you know, with my, with the way I'm receiving that anxiety, is like, oh no, oh, this is, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? And here, like I preached last week, God's saying, is my arm too short? You know, can I handle this? And, and what Takesha would want me to tell you is this is a good thing. This is a win for her, right? This is a win, and, and the ministry is going to be, uh, and everything is going to be um, great. So um, we'll, we'll have her on stage eventually, let her share in her own um, words. But, but back to verse 6. So I'm, I'm not, God's like, mom's not too short. Don't be anxious. Be in every situation, including Takesha's, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. That's such an important part of the verse. Uh, there's a pastor that said this. I don't know if this is scientifically true, but I heard a pastor preach, it is impossible for anxiety and gratitude to coexist. Like if I'm thanking God, I'm not being anxious at this. Like anxiety pushes gratitude out, makes us less grateful. Gratitude pushes anxiety out. Um, so in this situation, in every situation, including Takesha, we have a lot to be thankful for. One, we preach health 
as part of our culture and to have a leader who's willing to say, hey, I think God might be leading to me to make a change and for us to come alongside and pray and support her. Um, like we're thankful for her willingness to be real about what she needs and what, what's going on with her and her family, and she's good, and she doesn't want you to worry about her at all. The other thing to be thankful for in that is she's sticking around. This is pretty rare, right, in churches when people, like, she, she wants to be part of the ministry. She just doesn't want to be in that lead role. She's going to continue to be part of Relentless Church, continue to be part of our RC Kids ministry, and I'm very, and we should be thankful for that. Amen? Amen. 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 So, um, it's just another thing that I'm like, okay, don't be anxious, don't be anxious, by prayer and petition. So now we have a need, right? So God's going to provide and God's got a plan for all that. By prayer and petition, what's the difference? Why does he say prayer and petition? Is that, prayer is like any kind of communication. Good morning, God. Thank you for sunshine today and the rain is over. Any kind of talk with God is, is prayer. Petition is a specific kind of prayer. It's an urgent, if you look at the Greek word, it's an urgent, it's an urgent need. It's not just, good morning, God. It is, God, I need you to show up. I need you to come through. I need help. It's a petition. So with Thanksgiving, we're thankful for all you are and all that you're doing. We're finding the thankfulness. I, you're called to present your request to God. That's attached to not being anxious. I need you to show up in this. There's so many people I've run into <clears throat> since we've been talking about this the last week, but even over the last six months since I've been sharing some of my story that don't even pray anymore about their issues right? They don't even pray anymore, right? That's such a weapon for us to present your request and talk very bluntly uh, to God because he's near. Do you talk to God like he's near, like he's with you in the room, or do you talk to him like he's a thousand miles away, right? That's part of the message last week, the offloading, right? The casting our anxiety. Remember our verse from last week? We humble ourselves under his mighty hand, 1 Peter 5. So God at the proper time may exalt us. What does it look like to humble yourself? You're casting, you're throwing your anxiety. I'm releasing to you what I'm concerned about. I'm receiving that you're concerned about me. That's, that's part of how we do that is through our, our prayers. And it really does affect things. It does, right? And then there's a beautiful promise going back to Philippians that Paul gives right after this. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God comes on the heels of, the Lord is near, don't be, is near, don't be anxious. But in every situation, prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests, like put them to him, bring them to God. And the peace of God shows up in that communication. The peace of God, which, what does that mean? Transcend, it means it doesn't, it's, it's an unexplainable peace. You ever felt that? Unexplainable peace? Right, I've, I feel like I talk about it too much. I've talked about my dad's death many times in this church. 2012, he went to be with Jesus. Um, I was 33 years old when he, <clears throat> when he was diagnosed, and it was one of the hardest things still in my life that I've ever walked through. And like we were praying for healing, and that didn't happen. As it got closer to the end, like you knew what was coming, and I just didn't, I didn't know how to deal with that. I didn't, I'd never lost a parent. I'd never, like it was just overwhelming, and I just... On paper, I should have fallen apart. And I'm telling you, I'm testing. There's no reason for me to say this if it's not true. I felt Jesus carry me through that. It wasn't fun. It, wasn't, it was awful in a lot of ways. But I did feel the peace of God through his sickness and even through his death. And even today, I miss him so much. But there's a peace as I talk about that whole awful experience. It's just, I can't explain it. It's just, 
I felt like Jesus carried me through those really, really, really hard days. Have you ever felt the peace of God carry you by a show of hands? Have you ever felt that? All right, thank you. So we're a church for the untold unconvinced. So maybe somebody invited you here. Maybe you're not sure about Jesus or a relationship with him or what that even looked like. And we love skeptics if that's how you would describe yourself. I would just say, skeptics, how do you explain all those hands, right? The math told me that was 87% of the room had their hand up, right? That means 87% of 9 a.m. are liars, right? Because there's no reason to fake that. Man, when you're going through awful stuff and you feel the peace of God, there's no reason to testify that unless it's true. There's a bunch of people in all kinds of different situations. Some of it's death, some of it's cancer, some of it's unemployment. It's all kinds of things that people raise their hand. And in that junk, they actually have felt something. Maybe it's their mind playing tricks on them. No, it's the peace of God. It's real and it matters and it shows up. And there's a bunch of people in the room that have just, just testified um, to that. All right, and it's, real, and it's not just back when, it's not just a story that I can tell from back then. Let me tell you a recent story of how peace of God showed up in, in our house. Now, some of you mamas aren't gonna like this story, warning. All right, so a few weeks ago, my youngest, he's 15, Eli, um, was doing his in-car driver training. All right, so the way it was set up for him, he was gonna do it Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week, all right? And we had done some driving, and he's, he's a good driver, good for 15. Um, and everything was going to be fine. So he went that first Monday, right? And I was, uh, I was going to say anxious. I was ready to hear how it went. And I got the text or the call or whatever, not well. Like, what do you mean? What happened? What happened? Well, the instructor was yelling at him. You know, he, was, he got all nervous. So then Kelly, my wife, is telling me, um, no, he's shook. He's not okay. Like, he's dealing. He doesn't want to eat. And I'm like, and then, then she tells me, he said he feels like he's about to get on a roller coaster. Right, and if you were here last week, that's how I described my anxiety. For I was like, he's just saying that because he heard me say it. She's like, no, he said, he said that's not that he didn't hear you say that. That's, and I was like, what have I done? Have I passed this down somehow? Is it contagious? Is anxiety, can you catch it from somebody else? So now we're having a discussion on Monday night. He doesn't go back on Tuesday. He goes on Wednesday. Do we make him go? And I know some of you are like, don't make that baby get back in that car, <laughs> right? Because he's like, he's like, you know, when he yells at me, I get, he, he's describing something that was on the verge of a panic attack, right? I don't know if there's a worse place to have a panic attack than behind a wheel of a car, right? So um, we're talking to him, and finally I'm like, you know, let my gentleness be evident to all. Son, we're, gonna, we're not making this decision. You're going to make this decision, right? If you don't want to go back, we'll find another driving school, whatever. We'll, we'll do something else. Your call. So on Tuesday, we're just talking through it. And he's a mess. He's not eating. Like we've never, because I've never seen him like this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to put him in a situation behind a wheel, you know, and I was like, I get it. I get it. Um, let's just, let's, let's present this to God together as a family. So we prayed with Eli. We prayed as a family. It's beautiful to see his older brother and sister praying him up. Um, my, his sister wanted to lay hands on the driving instructor, but that's, <laughs> that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but he's saying, hey, I think if I could drive longer and not have such short choppy in and out, like I think that might, I was like, how about this? What if I call the instructor to see if we can reason a little bit? And if, he, if, he, if he'll work with us a little bit? And he's like, yeah, okay, I, I, I can do this. Um, so I called the instructor and he was very reasonable and he was hearing what I was saying. And we, had a, kinda had, we thought we had a plan to kind of do things a little different on, on Wednesday. And, and I felt like I saw Eli, it, it could, this could be 
like early in your faith life, it's going to be something where God shows up, right? We're not making you go, but if it's real, then it's real when you're behind a, a wheel, right? Oh, that's bars, um, right? So, so we prayed him up, and he, it was his call, and he went on, uh, on that Wednesday, and then I'm, I'm like, he, he can't text while he's in in-car, which I'm like, it's a long four hours, like, <laughs> somebody tell me something, give me something, and finally we get a report. Went great. Great? Like, how could it be the worst thing ever on Monday and great on Wednesday? So I was like, how do you explain that, Eli? And he's like, God? Let's go with that, right? Right, he did great on Thursday, and he now, watch out, he is now a permitted driver in the state of North Carolina, right? Amen, yeah. Well, that doesn't make sense, right? It's the peace of God that transcends all understanding, right? And it's for big things and little things and in-between things. And if you were like, hey, we would not, we would have no way we would have sent him back to that car. That's not wrong, right? Sometimes we have to protect our kids, right, from, from certain situations that are going to mess them up. We prayed through it. We felt like God just led us to have a conversation with, on the phone, and we felt like God was, like we just sang, the Spirit lives in us. He's going to help us in real life stuff, and the peace of God is real life. And Paul and the Spirit speaking through this scripture is not done. After verse 7, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. After that, he hits us with this, verse 8. Finally, he's continuing the thought, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Your thought life matters, especially if you're struggling with anxiety. What you think matters. So Paul is ending this whole section with, hey, you got to dwell on the true, the noble, the right. Now, this is what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean stick your head in the sand and, and, and be outside of reality, right? News is hard today, right? Sometimes as I'm walking through my anxiety, I think it's better for me not to look at headlines or watch the news. But I'm a leader and I'm a pastor. I need to know. Like if you've been paying attention the last few weeks, there's some awful stuff in the headlines, right? And, and we have to talk about that. Why? Because um, it says whatever is right and pure and noble. So it's right to bring about these injustices. You know, a 16-year-old kid rings the wrong doorbell and gets shot in the head. Like we, we need to speak out against that boldly, right? Not just because we're a multi-ethnic church. And not just because I have an 18-year-old son who some people could see his skin color as a, as a threat. It's not that because we speak at it. We speak at it because it's not right. And we want to dwell on what is right and the God who is right and the God of justice. So this doesn't mean, you know, don't deal with reality. But how you deal with hard things and how you mentally, what you choose to dwell on and what you choose to really let into your head matters very much in our battles. Um, there's a book that's helped me. This may be a, a great resource for some of you, uh, author Jenny Allen. It's called Get Out of Your Head. Um, that book really helped me. It talks a lot about a verse that says, take every thought captive. Um, how do you do that? And it, she really walks you through how, how much your thinking matters in your battle with depression, anxiety, and all these other things. I told you last week that I was I have my own stigma and my own embarrassment that God is getting me over about the word psychiatrist, right? Well, I had an appointment uh, Monday after last Sunday's message. I had an appointment Monday um, afternoon um, with my psychiatrist, and she was asking me how things were going, and she's a gift from God to me. And Dr. B, 
and she, uh, she was asking me about one, you know, she's like, what, what have you been anxious about? And it would, I didn't have to go very far back to give her a, a situation that I was anxious about. So I told her the situation. And she says, you know what you're doing is what we call catastrophizing. And I was like, that's not a word. <laughs> and I looked it up. It's a real word, right? To imagine the worst possible outcome of an action or event. I have a PhD in that, right? So she talked about, you know, how, how in this situation that I was telling her, it was like, you took it to the nth degree. You had yourself homeless and destitute. Like, it's, it's not, that's not reality. Um, and she said it very, um, you know, graciously. And um, in that, she taught this, and, and I knew this intellectually, but I didn't know it in my heart until she said it this way. She says, emotions cannot create thoughts. Thoughts create emotions, right? So emotions what you feel doesn't have the ability to control or create thoughts. Your thoughts have all the power. Your thoughts create emotions, right? Who's winning in your head? Is it how you feel or is it what you think? So she taught me this powerful question when a thought comes into my head. She said, ask this question. Is there evidence that this thought is true? Like put it on trial. Is there evidence that this thought is true? Put that on the screen, please. Thank you. Um, is there evidence that this thought is true? Like put it on, like back in the day in, in college, right now people say crazy stuff and talk junk about sports and you can just Google and see if they know what they're talking about. Back in the day there was no Google, so people would just say stuff and everybody knew that guy that was like, you're just making stuff up, right? We, and no matter, even if he was saying one true thing, we didn't believe it because we were just automatically suspicious. We need to learn to be more suspicious of our own thoughts. Put them on trial, right? Guard, the peace of God will guard your heart and mind. Some of, our, some of our hearts and minds are unguarded, right? And I've gotten into a habit, I didn't mean to, I didn't know, but over time, and especially in the last, since my stroke, I've gotten in a habit of catastrophizing. Like that's what I naturally do. So I'm retraining my brain, the spirit of God is helping me ask this question. When I have a crazy thought, you know, I don't know, Mia, I had, in my, my mind, Mia was gonna get hurt in a game. She was gonna tear her ACL, break her leg, get a concussion, be in the hospital, and I'm FaceTiming with her, and I can't get there, all this stuff. I even looked up flights of how quick I could get to Cincinnati. Like, I'm playing all, I'm catastrophizing this whole situation. Is there evidence that any of that was true or happened? Was, I was outside of reality, but I allowed it to affect me, right? So I'm still learning to put this into practice. I've learned something, I've learned this phrase from a dear friend, um, one of Kelly and I's best friends, her name's Lisa. She taught me this phrase, energy management. Right, not load management, not basketball stuff, but energy management. Um, Lisa was, is RA, she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. If you know about cancer, it's the kind of cancer you don't want, right? And she was able to have an amazing surgery and is doing really well now many years later. But I was talking to her about anxiety and everything she's been through and like, do you look up stats? Do you look up like outcomes and statistical probabilities of this or that? And she says, I can't. I can't because what she's learned and what I'm learning and what I want you to learn today is that we are limited. We are limited beings, right? I've uh, even watched this Chris Hemsworth documentary on Disney called Limitless, right? That's a lie, right? None of us are limitless. We all have limits and they're God-given limits. That's the idea of Sabbath, rest. The idea of Sabbath is we all have limits and God made us to function at our best when we rest and, and embrace our limitations. So Lisa was teaching me, she only, you got to look at energy as a, as a, as a limited supply. Let's say you got a hundred bars of energy, you got a hundred blocks of it, 
Right? I can't, she's saying, I can't use my energy going on WebMD, looking up all this stuff and the symptoms because it drains that energy from my healing, from my family, from things that are really important to me. You don't get to give energy to all the negative and still have energy left for what God wants you to do and be. And it starts with your thoughts. Some of you are, you're victims of your, you don't, you think I can't control my thoughts. Sometimes you can't. You can control what your thoughts do. Right? You can think about lovely things, pure things, whatever's excellent or praiseworthy. Think about the gospel. Think about how much God loves you. Think about what Jesus did for you. Consume the word. Like flood your mind with truth. What is really true? And it'll guard, that peace of God will show up. It'll guard your hearts and your, and your minds. Some of you are working against yourself. Uh, let's start partnering with God. You want to come out of your anxiety, and please don't hear this as like it's all your fault, because it's not but you're working against your own healing because you're not guarding your mind. What you're putting into your mind is not truth. It's not positive. It's not pure. It's not lovely. And that's, that's hurting your own battle. And you're using energy. I used so much energy this weekend on the what ifs. It wasn't helpful. That energy took from me. I'm tired of losing. All right, well, how do we win? We go to scripture. God has answers. Here's, let, me, let me read the whole thing. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again. Rejoice in the Lord. That's where joy comes from. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Here's the truth. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise. The peace of God, which doesn't even always make sense, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, it's like the closing argument, don't forget this, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The battle is in the mind. Would you stand up? Let me pray that over you, please. Father, would you help us apply this as a church, as a family, as, as people God, it's coming. We know it's coming. I pray we would not walk in fear like we sang, that no weapon can harm us, that, that we will now, we will feel like we are armed and equipped, that we would put every thought on trial, that we would bring it to you and put it in your lap. God, is there evidence that this thought is true? Would you just bring us to truth through your word, through each other? Would we dwell and think about the true things? And God, would we see a difference this week? Would we believe that this can change our week? God, would we believe that you are near? Would you, would you be so obvious in helping us to believe that you are near all of us and the brokenhearted and the hurting and the struggling? God, help us not to be anxious, not because we try hard, but because we surrender and humble ourselves under your mighty hand and we cast our anxiety on you. Would you help us through your Holy Spirit? We pray in Jesus' name as we go. Amen. All right, next week... I'm bringing in a heavy hitter. I'm bringing in my big brother, my only brother, to speak on this series. So y'all be nice to him and be ready for him. All right, have a great week.